Hello, ladies and oh wait, here we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. My name is Johnny Good Times. I'm Reef. This is Greg. And we are very excited to have our guest this afternoon. We have Josh Gibson's great-grandson, Sean Gibson, joining us from Pittsburgh to talk a little bit about his great-granddad and about the foundation that uh, he inspired and that Sean now runs. Sean, welcome. Yeah, welcome, Sean. Thank you for having me, guys. Um, I guess you're a, uh, you're a Pirates fan? <laughs> when we're winning. Yeah, uh, that's how it goes. I spent some time out there. For the last 25 years. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm st- believe, yeah, I'm still a Pirates fan, though. I mean, you know, you're born and raised here in Pittsburgh. You're a Pirates fan. You're a Steelers fan, Penguins. So we still love our sports. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so hard to be a Steelers and Penguins fan. <laughs> yeah, with all the, yeah, with all those yeah. championships. Yeah, yeah. that's got to be brutal. Right, right, right. Uh, so you've talked, let, let's start by talking a little bit about your great grandfather and, and, you know, what you know and what's been passed down through family lore. He's obviously a larger than life legend on the national scale, but what do you know about him from a personal level? Yeah, well, you know, all the things I've known about him is through family. You know, he died in 1947, way before I was born. Um, but before I get into that, you know, this is a big year for us. 2020 is the honey anniversary of the Negro Leagues. Uh, Negro Leagues was founded in 1920. So um, due to pandemic, hopefully we can get some things going on to celebrate the centennial because um, these great men do, do deserve to be uh, recognized for their great work accomplishments on the field as well as off the diamond. So um, we're hoping that we can get some events that we had planned for 2020 to celebrate the honey anniversary. Um, that's first and foremost. But as far as Josh Gibson is concerned, as you mentioned, he's one of the greatest baseball players ever, not just in the Negro League, just ever. Um, his his home run records, um, his stats speaks for himself. Um, second player, second Negro League player inducted to the Hall of Fame in 1972 behind Satchel Page in 1971. And, you know, Josh played for two teams right here in Pittsburgh, the Homestead Grays and the Pittsburgh Crawfords. So he never had to leave to go play for another team. He was born in Buena Vista, Georgia, and they moved to Pittsburgh at a very young age to find work from Deliman down south. He was about 11 years old when he got to Pittsburgh, and he started playing Sandlot baseball, and he went on from there. So, you know, when you talk about the Negro Leagues, there's a lot of great history here in Pittsburgh, a lot of tradition, and Josh Gibson leads that way. Right. Now, I I know it's got to be a – tough situation for you because I know you had a ton of things planned as the head of the Josh Gibson Foundation. And again, you're talking about the 100-year celebration. And we were just talking with Bob Kendrick um, from the museum uh, earlier this morning. And he was talking about how they were ready to get the whole thing rolling and they were all excited. And then all of a sudden it just, the kibosh on everything. That had to be uh, pretty sudden and and, and pretty um, frustrating, I would think, as somebody that's been probably been spending years putting this together, right? Yeah, I mean, you only get 100 years once, so <laughs> you got to put it. <laughs> yeah, we've been planning this since um, a year and a half in advance. Um, as you mentioned, we had our Josh Gibson Classic coming into June. Uh, we was going to have him bring in uh, teams from all over the United States wearing representing their league team. So Kansas City would have been Kansas City Monarchs. Philly would have been the Philadelphia Stars, Cleveland been the Cleveland Buckeyes. So it would have been great to see all those young kids representing the Negro Leagues in those uniforms. Um, you know, but, you know, some things, you know, God doesn't have plans for certain things. And we can't, unfortunately, we can't control this, what's happening right now. And hopefully 
um, if anything happens, we'll have to push it back, celebrate our 100th anniversary, 101 next year. But somehow, some way, we will definitely represent these guys. Um, you know, but right now, we don't know, like you said, it's up in the air what we're going to do, how long this is going to take place, and what to, what to do next. What, what made you decide to want to take on this role? I mean, again, you know, you talk about you, you obviously never met Josh Gibson and, um, you know, it, it's, it, I'm sure it's awesome to have that lineage, but at the same time, this is a whole lot more than that. This is a dedication of your life to this yeah. foundation. What, what is it that made it so personal for you? And you hit it right there. So it's not just a job for me. This is carrying a legacy. And for me, it's definitely a, been tremendous to carry on our legacy of the Josh Gibson as well as the Josh Gibson Foundation. You know, for us, it's just more or less like my grandfather, Josh Gibson Jr., also played in the Negro Leagues. He played in the last two years with the Homestead Grays, 49 and 50. And one of the things he always taught me, as well as our other, uh, other relatives, is that, you know, how is there a way to keep not only Josh Gibson's name alive, but the other great Negro League baseball players' names alive? And that's why we started the Josh Gibson Foundation. Um, my grandfather, Junior, started it first. He got he started the paperwork. I got involved with it once I got out of college. And, you know, we've been blessed. Um, we've been around for about 17 years here in the city of Pittsburgh. And great opportunities working with the Pirates and some other local um, organizations here. Um, Josh Gibson Field is a landmark here in Pittsburgh where he actually played with the Homestead, I mean, where the Pittsburgh Croppers played at. So this has been a lot of great accomplishments that we have been doing here in Pittsburgh. They're not only the, the city of Pittsburgh, no, but the, the nation, though, because, you know, as we're talking about the whole 100 anniversary, there are still a lot of people who know nothing about the Negro Leagues. And that's most important. I had told my board and my committee is that, you know, one thing I want to make sure we do with the Centennial is make sure that we get Josh Gibson's name as well as the other great players' names out there, not just on a local, but a national level. Why do you think that is that so many people are still not aware of the, the greatness and the impact of the Negro Leagues? No, it could be two ways. I think some people just don't want to recognize us and <laughs> recognize them uh, for whatever, you know, some people feel as though they're, um, their stats are not credible. Um, you know, they still, you know, we're still in a black, white type of atmosphere. Um, so, you know, but you can't take away what they've done. Um, you know, if you look at Josh Gibson, you know, Josh is always compared to Babe Ruth. And, you know, and I always had this conversation and, and Brent Stevens, who is Babe Ruth's great grandson, we're great friends. And people always try to say, well, Babe Ruth's the greatest baseballer, baseball player of all time. And I said, well, how can you say that he didn't play against black baseball players? You know, and I never say Josh Gibson's the greatest. I say Josh Gibson's one of the greatest because he never played against white baseball players. So when you have that era and they talk about the greatest of all time, how can you say that when they never played against each other? So. Um, so there's a lot of things. I think me personally, I just think it's that they go by the stats. They go back, you know, they saying some of these competition wasn't that great. And, um, you know, they play some of these uh, Sandlot teams and things like that. But, you know, like I always tell people, that wasn't Josh Gibson's choice. Society made that choice for them. I mean, that wasn't their fault. They wanted to play in the majors. Um, they just didn't have the opportunity. But, you know, to get the, just to reverse all that, it wasn't for Rue Foster. He was the one who created the Negro Leagues. It wasn't for Ruth Foster. There'd be no Josh Kipps. There'd be no Satchel Page. Probably wouldn't be no Jackie Robinson. So that's who deserved all the credit is Ruth Foster. Former Philadelphia Giant Ruth Foster at that. That's Just right. Just throw that out there. So, <laughs> so I, I didn't know. I was reading, doing some reading. Pittsburgh 
in that ballpark, they actually had some statues of Negro League players for quite some time and then just decided to remove them. Was there any, any – I haven't found any reason in the research I did of why they removed them. Uh, do you know why? Yeah, I know. I was right in the middle of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so that was in 2015. Um, I had a meeting with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I was brought into the meeting, and I was told that they were removing the statues to basically – tried to get people on that bottom level where it was going to put like a bar area with some, a flat screen TV. Uh, they have more people spread out through the ballpark instead of on this one concourse level. And, you know, for me, of course, I was very disappointed in that because these statues went up in 2006 when the All-Star game was here in Pittsburgh. Mm. And then to take them down 11 years later um, was very disappointing. Um, so that was the whole concept of it. And, you know, so my idea was, okay, well, if you want to spread people off through the ballpark, once you use the statue as part of that, where you can do like a scavenger hunt, have Josh yeah. Gibson in section 301 and say to go see Satchel Page, go to section 201, to go see Cool Papa Bell, go to section 101. Um, so I threw that idea out there at them and, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't like the idea. So at that time I felt though, they just wanted to get rid of them. Right. Um, so we ended up taking the statues, the Josh Gibson Foundation, and a company not close to you guys up in uh, Delaware, uh, well, up there, uh, Hunt Auctions. David Hunt, you familiar with David Hunt? No. Heard of Hunt Auctions, yeah. Yeah, David Hunt Auctions, right. So he's a good friend of mine, and he took the, because uh, I said, well, it's so funny, you know how you take something, and you're like, well, shh, no, I don't know, I can't cuss on here, but what are you going to do with them? <laughs> Right, right. I can't put these things in my house. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I can't put them in my backyard. It, it was one of them things where, like, well, we'll take them. And you take them, like, oh, shoot, now what? You know? Right, right. Um, so I called Dave and I said, hey, man, we have some bronze statues, life size statues. I said, do people buy statues? He said, man, people buy anything. <laughs> and, and I remember it was the uh, All Star game was in Cincinnati that year. And he said, the best time to do this would be during the All Star game. I have a big auction during the All-Star uh, weekend, and let's do it there. And they did it, and we raised uh, about $175,000, something like $190,000 on the statues. Um, so, but to me, I had made a comment in a, in a, in a local paper saying that um, basically me having the statues in the ballpark was more important than the money because that money is now gone. That history lasts forever. Mm -hmm. uh, so it would have been so many more people seeing those statues in those past five years. That $190,000 has gone to programming and staff and things like that. Um, but it would have been more important for us and our family to have those statues at the Paul Park still. Yeah. There's still, one of, God, God, there's God. still one of him down in Nationals Park in D.C., one of your, a statue of your grandfather? That is right. That is right. People ask me all the time, like, why do Josh Gibson have a statue in D.C.? And I, was, I have to explain the whole story is that, you know, and some of you may or may not know, but half their so Homestead Grays also played half their games in Washington, D.C., because D.C. did not have a Negro League baseball team. And people still get confused with thinking that D.C. had their own team. I said, no, the team from Pittsburgh, same team, same uniforms. Only difference was if you look at some of the Homestead Grays pitchers, the W, they, you'll see a W on their sleeve. That's when they played in Washington. I stood for the mm. Washington Homestead Grays. When they played in Pittsburgh, there was no W on the sleeve. That's still for the regular Homestead Grays. And people were still confused, thinking that D.C. had their own team. I said, no, it was a Pittsburgh team. They just traveled to D.C. 
and play half their games at Griffith Stadium. And so, yes, Josh is at um, the Nat Stadium statue. We worked on that statue as well. And actually, Howard University Hospital sits on the old site of Griffith Stadium where they played. Um, the New Orleans played on their, at that United you know, Stadium. So, yes. That's got it. How do you guys decide? Oh, sorry, man. I was just going to ask, how do you guys decide as a board, as a family, what you want him to, uh, his likeness and his image to be involved in? Is there a process you guys go over, say this, this isn't, wouldn't work for us, or is it pretty much anything that when people reach out? No, it's not anything. We've definitely turned people down. It got to be positive. It got to be positive. And then also too, I mean, I've turned down deals that were positive, but I, I didn't like the representation. Um, you know, you get a good vibe off of people. And is it really for, is it really about the money? Is it really about this? Is it really about that? So we've turned down deals where there was, you know, a decent amount of money, but I just felt like, I don't know if I can do business with this person. Um, so for us, it's more of just uh, someone who's upstanding, number one, and what their intentions are. Uh, if you're really truly about promoting, not just Josh, but the Negro Leagues, then we're, we're all for that. But if we're just in it for the money and just trying to make, you know, it, we're not really, not really for that. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Money is great. It's always great, but it's still about, you know, I think when it comes down to the New League baseball players, because they're so scrutinized anyway, I'm real careful about what I do with Josh Gibson's name and image, um, just because of that. Sure, and and it has to be. I would I would think it has to be frustrating to be in Pittsburgh, because and you probably still have to maintain some sort of relationship with the Pirates, I would assume, and at the same time having the statues taken out of the stadium. Is that, is that difficult to manage a relationship after something like that happens? Well, five years has passed and we're fine now. So it's like a big brother, <laughs> you know, big, you know, we, you know, we, we love the pirates. Uh, we love the organization. Um, but yeah, so to get to your point, when that first happened, of course there was some animosity, you know what I mean? But as time goes on, you know, um, business is business. You move on from there. So since then, they've always been a great community partner for us. Um, they're working with us on a centennial. Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, we would love to have the statues there. Um, but unfortunately, they're not there. That was their decision. Um, you know, in this business, if you if you hold grudges, you'll never get far. Um, mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you, you live and learn and you, you, you let it go and you go, you, you do the next pressing. So we have something coming up here called, if you went to our website, there's something called Josh Gibson Heritage Park. We're actually doing monuments of, of Negro League baseball players which would have been unveiled this spring, but because of the whole pandemic, we have to hold off. So there are actually, there are actually eight monuments of New League baseball players. Phase one consists of Josh Gibson, Satchel Page, Cool Papa Bell, and Buck Leonard, who was going to go up first. They're actually down near downtown, a place called Station Square in Pittsburgh. They're all ready to go, all covered up, just ready to be unveiled. But because of this whole pandemic, we're holding off on this. This is a $1.2 million project. And so this here, but, but, this would be, I'll say, much greater than the statues because at PNC Park, you only could see the statue unless you had a ticket to go into the ballpark. Yeah. These are outside, so you don't have to, you don't need a ticket. You can just pull up in your car, get some photo ops, read the, read the language. Um, so that's the thing, I, that's the way I like about this. It's out open to the public. It's not inside a confined stadium where you have to have a ticket to see the statues at PNC Park. You had talked about turning down some projects and stuff. I just want to know, what was the first thing that came through your mind when they said they wanted to do an opera about your grandfather? <laughs> That's a great question because <laughs> me and what's your name? How you say Reef? Reef. Mm -hmm. Reef. 
I don't know about Greg and Johnny, but I've never been to a non Nah, me neither, man. man. <laughs> no. You know, African-Americans don't go to opera. So. <laughs> no, sir. So let's, let's make that clear. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's interesting you said that because this actually came to me in 2007. 2007, Dan Sonnenberg, who's a professor at the University of Maine in Vermont, came to me with an opera idea. And, you know, I'm like, opera? Josh Gibson, I'm like, how's this going to work? And I remember him saying, said, listen, it's better for me to come to Pittsburgh and explain it to you than explain to you on the phone. (laughs) So he comes in, we do a tour. um, We go through the Hill District. We go to Josh Gibson Field. We do all the tour. And explain it to me. And the thing that my grandfather always told me, he said, you know, some deals may come to you that you may not never think they'll work, but still may, you know, look into it. And so we gave him, we said, you know what, okay, opera. One thing I say about the opera, um, what it helped us with is dynamics. It opens up a whole new world of wealthy people. (laughs) I can tell you that right now, (laughs) because that's what it's all about. And so 2007 was that. Then Dan got, he got divorced. He had, he had triplets. So a lot of things took place in between that time. And then 2014, I get a call. I said, hey, we want to do, and this is the wrong term, but I'm calling it a showcase. It's more, it's something like a, like a showcase where they kind of do a, 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 some, some, some segments of the opera, but they invite. Like a, like a dress rehearsal, opera. drive run. Right. Exactly, mm-hmm. where they invite other opera houses to look at it to maybe take it on. And I've never been, you know, I've never, I don't know if you guys ever been in Maine, but there's not too many black people in Maine. I haven't so. been. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on the plane. I'm the only black person. Um, but the guys from the Pittsburgh Opera were on the plane. They recognized me, but of course I didn't know who they were. And so during, after the, re- after the opera, they had a reception afterwards. And Dan told me who was there. It was like Pittsburgh, um, uh, New York was there, uh, not Philly, but Dallas. A few other people were there. And I said, who are the Pittsburgh guys? I want to talk to them because my whole thing was like, if we're going to do this opera, it has to be in Pittsburgh first. It can't go nowhere else but Pittsburgh. And I met Christopher Hahn and uh, Bill who were there, and I explained to them the importance of it. The good thing about it was is that they did their research on Josh Gibson before they came to Maine, and they said, you know, we've been doing our research because Christopher Hahn is he's South African. He's a white guy who's South African, knew nothing about Josh Gibson. But the one thing I think he was really impressed about was when he started doing his research back in Pittsburgh, how everybody knew about Josh Gibson. And he said, this has to happen in Pittsburgh. So 20, that was 2014, 2017, it happened. And that was their first ever, that was their first ever world premiere opera in the Pittsburgh Opera history oh, wow. that they had. And it was on a black person. So um, that's amazing. But yeah, so then so, they went so to So you've Detroit. been to the opera? Yes, <laughs> that, that one, that one. Well, before that one, I said, well, I'm going to go to an opera before the Josh Gibson one come out so I can lease. Because when you look at opera, you think of Italian, you think yeah. of, um, you got to read the words up on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have to be dressed real nice, you know, in, in nice suits and stuff. So what we did was we did like about four or five sessions around Pittsburgh called like opera etiquette. Because you don't have to have a suit on. You don't have to have on a tuxedo. You don't have to have on a nice fancy dress. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you just come as you go, as you please. And people was coming to it like a sports, this is a sports opera. So people was coming in jerseys and shorts <laughs> and things like that. Um, but I could tell you this, it was um, probably one of the greatest experiences for our family because, you know, to see Josh Gibson portrayed in that type of format is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yes. You've spoken uh, about, uh, you know, doing stuff for your grandfather, but also including other Negro League baseball players. Can you speak to how important that is to make sure that they all, and is, also, is there also a board uh, for these guys' family you guys work with, or are you guys kind of taking the reins with all of them? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so myself, Satchel Page's family, mm-hmm. uh, Buck Leonard's family, uh, Turkey Stern's family. We should do a lot with, um, with Cash and Malin Duckett. Those are all good friends of mine from Philly. Um, so all the family members, those, so mainly right now is Gibson, Paige, and Turkey Stearns. We used to talk to Cool Papa Bell's daughter, but we, we, we haven't heard from her in a while. We think she might've passed away. She was a little older, but we all kind of keep ourselves amongst each other. So we all talk about certain deals. We all talk about certain things. We definitely make sure that, um, because one, me and Satchel Paige's family, we've always felt like we wanted to make sure that these, I won't say smaller, but some of the players are not less recognized than Josh and Satch. Because, you know, when you talk about the Negro Leagues, of course you're going to mention Josh and Satch. Right. And my thing was is that I don't want to ever forget those other players. Because this is a team sport. This is not tennis or golf. Mm-hmm. And so I've always made sure that I looked out for the other family members. And they called me for advice. Uh, we are representative. Um, we do have a, a agency that represents us. And we give them advice on what they should do, what they should not do. But get to your point is that we do not have a um, – a formalized board, anything like that, no. Um, but we do all talk amongst each other. We all communicate and we all have representation. But the one thing that we do, we stick together. We definitely stick together. Yeah, so so you, um, uh, tell us a little bit about what some of the programs are that you guys run through the foundation. Yep, so right now, we're not doing none, but right now, <laughs> <laughs> but we do an after-school program. We, we partner with the University of Pittsburgh and Duquesne University. Um, we have a STEAM program, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. And it was STEM until the opera came. So we added arts for the opera piece. Um, we have a boys and men mentoring program where the high school I went to um, is now a K through A school. And I've challenged a lot of my friends who went to Langley School to come back and give back to these young men as mentors. We have a curriculum called BOSA. Now this is a unique. We have a curriculum in the school, it's called Business of Sports Academy. It teaches kids the business side of sports. So it's like sports media, sports law, sports marketing, sports sales, and sports events. And this is a college credit course that kids get credits for to college universities. Um, of course, we have our um, after school programs, we have summer camps, um, and then, of course, we have our baseball programs. There are several programs that we've done throughout the years to keep these kids off the street. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, you know, the, the, we've seen in the last 40 years the percentage of uh, black ball players uh, decline. And there's been a number of reasons attributed to that. And we've talked to some of the different guests we've had on the show about it. Uh, you know, why do you think it's declined and what do you think can be done to get the numbers back up? Well, speaking of Pittsburgh, I mean, I think for us, you know, it's hard to get kids here because of our team. I mean, you're looking at 
before they had that three-year run with the wild card, before that, it was losing 20 straight seasons. So there were some kids in my program who never saw a winning team. Right. And then you go right across the street, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have an African-American coach, and they're, all, they're always competitive, at least competitive. If we're not winning, we're competitive. Right. Um, so for us, it was very difficult because, one, football is like really major here in Pittsburgh, major. And I've seen several times where our kids will be in baseball season. And now with these football, they're doing seven on sevens now. They're doing these drills over the spring. And they're pulling kids away from baseball. Um, what we've been doing is really just focusing on not just our in-house league, but tribal baseball as well. That's how we had a chance to meet Steve and the Anderson Marners because Monet Davis, when she was playing, they came down and played our team a few years ago. Then they came back and played us again um, a couple years ago. So that's how I met Steve with the travel ball. But, you know, I think the most important thing right now is, and I spoke with uh, Curtis Granderson on this a few times, is that as far as Major League Baseball, we don't, I don't think they highlight their key players on commercials. Right. Like yeah. promoting it. Yeah. You know, well, you don't see the, you know, um, uh, the guy from the Yankees doing commercials or, you know, some of these key high profile African-Americans promoting it and getting Andrew McCutcheons and things like that. Like Kutch does a lot of work with our foundation. He still lives here in Pittsburgh, even though he's plays for Philly, mm -hmm. you know, but you need those guys or African-American celebrities, superstars in baseball, but get out there in the forefront and get out there. I mean, we don't do that enough. NBA does it well, you know, they yeah. do it real well. NFL does it well, but MLB, and I remember being in Kansas City with Curtis Granderson. He made this comment to me, and this was back then. He said, um, you know, you look at some of these commercials. That's when LeBron James and Kobe Bryant had the little Muppet commercial. They mm -hmm. was promoting it that way. Um, he said, but at that time, it was Ryan Howard who was the MVP. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, Ryan Howard got one commercial. When he was a you remember, you remember what commercial that was? Subway. Subway, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're still a little bit mad about it because he was trying to sell Subway cheesesteaks. It's like, come on. Come on. In Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. come on. He wants to make this money, but not, not a cheesesteak Subway. <laughs> but the point he was making was that here we got an African-American MVP superstar, yeah. and they were not promoting him the right way to bring in young African-American baseball players. Yeah. So yeah. that's, I think, that's just my point on That's just my perspective. Um. Even like Mookie, Mookie Betts is 27. He should be right, everywhere right now. Right, right. I mean, there's there's tons of young, talented African-Americans out there that could be really promoting the game for our young people. And I think MLB is really dropping the ball on that. Yeah. Mm. What did you uh, – what was your thoughts on the um, – uh, I believe it was Soul of, Soul of the Game, the uh, movie that they did about like 20, 20 years ago, yeah. longer. Um, did you enjoy it? Did you think it was a good representation? Is there something like that you could see in the future done in a, maybe at a bigger light? Because I think it was just on TV. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the game, you know, like you said, that was about 20 years ago. It was um, Delroy Lindro and mm -hmm. um, Blair Underwood and Mikhail who played Josh. Played Josh, I think yeah. He played Josh. I mean, it's so funny you brought that up because I remember when that movie first came out. And I remember um, um, there was a guy – remember the guy uh, – Remember that show called The Rock? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The yeah. Rock. The, I forgot the guy's name who played The Rock. Charles, Charles, Charles S. Dutton. Yes. Yeah. He yeah, yeah, our, yeah. yeah. He came to our house. He came to our house one time, and there was a movie he was thinking about doing. He was going to play Josh Gibson. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I really thought like, man, you know, like, okay, this is getting on another level here. Like Josh Gibson is really somebody that people are really recognizing. And so then Soul of the Game came out. And I remember that story. Everything was, first of all, there were a few things. Again, as we all know, sometimes movies are kind of dramatized for the public. And because my grandfather, Josh Gibson Jr., was living, he said, well, you know, the one thing was, he said, Jackie, Josh, and Sackler, they were friends like that. Right. You know? right. Jackie was way younger than those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he wasn't hanging out with them. The only part that was a little upsetting for us, and again, it was the, it was the thing where they tried to use my grandfather's being crazy and mm-hmm. on the roof, neck, you know, with no clothes on and things like that. That never happened. Um, mm-hmm. And then and I'll get back into that because people use that. People ask me all the time, it was Josh Gibson on drugs and things like that. Mm-hmm. He was never on drugs. Did he drink? Yes, he did drink. Um, was he an alcoholic? Not that I know of. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I said is because when that movie came out, there was a lot of Negro League baseball players still living at that time. And I would ask, because I would travel with my grandfather, Josh Gibson Jr. He would go to different trade shows and sign autographs, especially the big one in Virginia. And I would see other baseball players there. So in all these Negro League baseball players, what they would do is hang in the lobby area and just sit there and talk all day. Because there was a matter of fact, double duty Radcliffe, he used to talk all kinds of stories. And he was the first one who was like, you know, you look like Josh Gibson. I never thought about it until he said something about it the first time. I remind him of my grandfather, but I've never heard none of those players say anything bad of my grandfather as far as drinking and things like that. So that's why I'd say he did drink, but he was no kind of alcoholic and things like that. So um, Sounds like me. (laughs) (laughs) We've been approached by other companies to do movies and documentaries and things like that. We did a local documentary ourselves called The Legend Behind the Plate, which you'll see, you can see the YouTube trailer on um, on uh, YouTube, mm-hmm. but we've never have done anything else besides that. So, you know, there's something maybe coming out because of the whole centennial. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the museum was working with a company trying to do something around the Negro Leagues because of the whole centennial. Uh, but other than that, that's pretty much it. You, uh, I mean, the, the real question all Philadelphians out here want to know is do you prefer a cheesesteak or a Permani Brothers sandwich? <laughs> cheesesteak. Nah, <man. laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, you're going to get some I like it. Now, look, when I talk to the Pittsburgh guys, I'll say Permani. Yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. We're, we're doing, you know, we've been doing a bunch of interviews this week in honor of uh, Jackie Robinson. And, you know, I know that, that Josh's story kind of helps lead to Jackie's story. And I wanted to see, you know, kind of for you to help us make that connection. And at the same time, were you at all, how were you impacted by Jackie Robinson? I mean, first of all, man, like I always tell people, um, people always say about Jackie Robinson's talent um, compared to the other Negro League baseball players, you know, no, he might not have been the greatest as far as talent-wise that should have went first compared to like Josh and Satch and Cool and Turkey Stearns and all the other Hall of Famers. But I think the most important thing is I'll always bring this up because if Jackie would have failed, Nobody look at that. If Jackie would have fell, who knows how long it would have took for another manager or owner to take a chance on an African-American player. And people don't realize that. You know, this was 1947. It could have been another 10 years. It could have been like 1950-something before they took another African-American player. So Jackie was carrying over 200 million African-Americans on – 220 million um, African-Americans on his shoulders. It wasn't just about the baseball aspect about it. It was like, you know, he's carrying a whole race 
to be proud of him and make sure the whole race is doing well because it would have set us back a long time if he'd have been a bust. Mm. And so I think that's first and foremost. As far as Josh Gibson, um, you know, and as far as what Jackie means to me, I think the most important thing about Jackie that means to me is that not only the baseball aspect of Jackie Robinson, but the civil rights person that he was. A lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, realize he was very involved in the civil rights movement. Now, I think that's most impressive to me, as we all know about his baseball stats and when he's been on the field, but he took that same attitude that he did on the field and put it into the civil rights movement. So when it comes to my perspective of Jackie, that's where I really admire about Jackie Robinson is the, what he did off the field as far as the civil rights movement. Beautiful. Grandpa was on a stamp too, right? Yeah, it was on a stamp. You know, yeah. you don't get paid for stamps. Government don't yeah. give you no money. Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing I tell you about that. That's a deal. That's a deal we would I would have said no to, but <laughs> is there are there any uh any yourself or any of your family members following his footsteps? Or the apple far from the tree got little little bats running around or no? You know what? I got I got a grandson. He's seven. He's he's going he's up, he's ready, man. He he's knows ready? all about Josh Gibson. He was right. number twenty. Okay. He said, "Why do you wear number 20? He said, "That's Josh Gibson's number. He wears his socks go. up. He wears his socks up high like the New Orleans." Oh, nice, nice. So nice. I'm getting him ready, man. I'm getting him ready. Um, but yeah, we, it's so funny because um, I play basketball. <laughs> I, I got a basketball scholarship, and I play basketball. Um, a lot of our family members really follow baseball. Um, so right now we're getting the baseball. We all were athletes. I had a I had a cousin that played for the Lakers, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And the Pacers, um, his son right now is overseas playing basketball. Most of us play basketball. Okay. But, you know, we got my grandson. Though. He's, he's going to be ready. He does all three sports, but he's going to be a baseball player. Awesome. Good stuff. <laughs> hey, man, if it's a, a nice Saturday afternoon coming up in May and it's sunny, you go out driving around, you throw in the soundtrack to that opera, crank it up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen. Listen. <laughs> No, man. I, I, you know, it's so funny you said that. What, can you imagine pulling up to somebody's no. house? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What are you listening to? <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, 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 no. But like I said, though, um, it's still a great. It was, it was amazing. If it ever comes to Philly, you know, yeah. definitely you guys, I'll get you tickets and we go. But that's the thing about the opera. It's not like a play. Mm. You can't just move it around. It has to be the city's opera house who wants it because these operas cost a lot of money yeah. um and it's not like a play where you just go from city to venue to venue to venue mm-hmm. that city's opera house has to want it and pay for it and things like that so yeah. Yeah. all right sean we really appreciate you coming on with us thank yeah, you for your lot. time man and thank uh, you for no, keeping you. your uh, grandfather uh, great grandfather and all, all of his players yeah. uh, legacy alive it's really dope man and this is and, I, and let me just say this so this is this is something to do with the anderson monarchs right yeah yeah, yep. so we, mm-hmm. we're fundraised. We have a store, uh, Shibe Sports, here in Philly. Um, mm-hmm. I'm one of the owners, and uh, Arif is the uh, brand ambassador for us. And um, and we're doing a sale since Jackie Robinson Day through today. 40% off everything uh, goes toward the Anderson Monarchs. Great. Yeah, that's a great organization. Like I said, Steve's a great friend. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, I used to be in Philly a lot. You know, my daughter lives in Philly. Um, okay. she's at University of Miami now. She went to Friends Central. Oh, I'm work. Up. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna up there. I'm gonna up there as much. Great school. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a really great. Yeah, yeah. Take all your money too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it. So I'm not in Philly as much as I used to. She's home now. She lives in Drexel Hill. She's home now. But mm-hmm. next time I come in town, I know Johnny. I told you next time I come in town, I'll definitely stop by. 
um, when I have a chance to get up there and meet you guys in person. Yeah, we'd oh, love to have you, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll just take you out for a cheesesteak. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy. Take care. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Charles. All right, thank take you. Care. Have a good yep. day. All right. Too.